Blake Law of Blake Law Studios, and you are listening to Fluffy D.O.G., a 40K lore podcast. Make sure to check out and support us at Blake Law Studios' Patreon page. Hello and welcome to Fluffy Dog. That's Fluffy D-O-G. This is episode one of this very fantastic podcast. We are thrilled you're able to join us for today. And you might have a special co-host who you haven't seen in a long, long time. Now, what is this show? This show is a twice a month podcast where we explore different players in the communities and their thoughts on lore. We are hoping they are able to share their origin story of 40K, if you will, and just really explore their love for this faction and really what got them going with the faction we're going to be talking about. Brad, do you have any thoughts on that? Dude, I'm so excited for this. I am such a I'm a paradox because I'm the power gamiest of power gamers, but I got into the game as a fluff guy, I was an RPG guy, and then I got into 40K from that way back in second edition, and I read all of the fluff. So I'm super excited for certain certain models, certain factions, certain everything. I get really excited to play things based on the fluff, and I'm super excited to hear other people's reasons that they got into things, too, why you're bringing certain models, why you're bringing certain factions and armies. There's there's a reason besides that it's T5 and has five shots that you're bringing a certain model on the board. I mean, I can't tell you how often I just want to play something because I read a novel and this particular unit or whatever devastated everything. And I'm like, that that shit's going on the board. I don't care what else is happening. These guys are showing up. They, they can nerf this into the ground and that dude's still going into at least one tournament's worth. And that's this is why. So for those who don't know, this is Brad Chester. He's the co-host of this podcast. We've uh, we've known each other for two years now. We've been podcasting together for about two years now. And Brad is, I'll just go ahead and give you your, your standard intro. Brad's one of the best players in the world. He's won pretty much everything. He's won, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Infinity Adepticons. But really, <laughs> he's won He's won all of our hearts with his lore knowledge. And that's that's why we're here today, man. We're here to talk lore. What, what can we expect week to week, Brad? What do you think? Uh, what do you think are the biggest take homes for this podcast? One of the biggest things is I want to bring people on that are from all levels of everything, because it's not about the guy that just won a tournament or the guy that didn't win. I want to bring people on that are very excited and passionate about their factions. And that's why I want to talk, because I feel that that's way more relatable. And it's more of the thing that I want to talk about, because when we're sitting at tournaments and the best times are at lunch, at everything, and you're talking about the newest story that came out, the reason that you're doing this, or the in for me in 2000 when Eldrad made this many saves, but I had him in the army because he did this, this, and this, and he was at the Blackstone Fortress. And these are the things that I want to hear about. So I hope other people are excited to hear about them also. I'm very excited about this show. And let me introduce our first guest. I would, it's not that's guest plural because we brought on two I was people. Because <laughs> uh, we brought on two people because this is just such a large topic, and I really think we have two, I would say, lore experts on the Tau faction here. So lore we have Mr. Masters, Lore Masters, if you will, and they're coming to us from the state of Florida, as all things do. And uh, <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Mr. John Moore and well, I forgot your name. Oh my gosh, what's your last name? <laughs> Will Taylor. <laughs> Well, a standard Blake intro. Love Will it. Taylor. Yeah, Will Taylor. I had it. I just uh, you did. edit that out. Put a note there to edit that out, Brad. Uh, no, leave it in. Leave it in. It's funny. In, in his in his defense, Will is the only one that doesn't have his actual name on the Skype. Yeah. So look, honestly, I'm a I'm a technological boomer. Even though I love Tao, and uh, I just didn't put my name in. That's my bad. 
You know what's bad? What's bad about this is Will's actually been on our show before too. It's just like embarrassing yeah. now. I, th- I don't think I messed your name up the first time. So uh, no, you so, didn't. It's so much better when you do. Let me let me just we still, let me we still love you, Blake. It's okay. Now we're doing intro. Um, we're joined by John Moore and guest user because uh, <laughs> Will, Will does not get an actual name here because he just didn't put one in. So but guys, I'm excited to have y'all on. Uh, what are y'all's? Uh, so what's y'all's big thoughts on Tau? Just some some quick hits here. What do y'all got? Do you want to go, John? First, uh, sure. It's a it's a fast moving shooty faction. You are very good at two things, going quickly and blasting things off the table. And you have a lot of high tech, really cool looking robots that get to do the trick. Um, that's a, that's the quick sell for the faction. As far as I'm concerned, are you in fact, the Ricky Bobby of 40 K got to go fast. I want to go fast. I want to go fast. You got to go fast and you got to eat ass. No. Yes. I mean, <laughs> go cowfish. Go. Yeah. I, I do agree with the, with, with John, uh, something that the, the faction brings to the, the table is this, uh, a sleek, stylish uh model line they've got very unique uh units like the fire warriors a very iconic uh unit it's got a, a striking i guess what uh profile to it a- something aesthetic. that's very different aesthetic. aesthetic yeah something very different from you know marines guard eldar it's got its own identity and that's something that i really love about the whole faction is who who out there and i want to know i wonder what percent of people originally got in this game built a space marine army saw the whole line and was like, yeah, I'm playing Tau. Because, I mean, I, that's me. And I feel like it's most people who play this game. There's like, Tau's awesome. It looks sweet. I, see, I like the original when they first came out, Lauren. Let's talk about the basis of Tau. Yeah. They were they a, were the first army that was the good guys. <laughs> they've yep, now, they've yep. now changed that a bit. But, like, when you first got Tau, I don't even remember what edition they came out, to be honest with you. Tau uh, were the third? It was, it was third? It was it, third and fourth edition um because uh, the third excuse me the third edition rule book had come out but they were not in it um their codex came out before the fourth edition rule book and then they got a prominent uh I say page for their yep. background lore in the fourth edition rule book they had like you know some model showcases and stuff that was the first time they got a prominent role because they had the big, I mean, obviously one of the selling points was the big fact that you could bring full Gundam mojo out there. But mm-hmm. the big thing that I really loved was we we actually had one faction that wasn't just awful. <laughs> they just, and I love the fact that they were doing things. Yes, they they fought, they expand, they take over things, but they didn't just virus bomb you if you, <laughs> you showed up with an, an odd idea. And they weren't just straight evil from the warp. Or Tyranids trying to murder you, or Necrons is just the great evil trying to kill everybody after 65 million. But they were this new race that got together for the greater good when the Ethereals came in, put the caste system out there. So we had, you know, everybody working together, doing something. And they're the youngest race in the galaxy. And they're moving forward and they're progressing. Their tech is progressing farther than anybody else has. And you could say that they haven't reached their dark age of technology yet. But it doesn't look like they're going to. And it was really cool that we had somebody that you could kind of root for. And everybody's going to throw tomatoes at me now. Like, oh, we're rooting for Tau, the 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 faction that people love to hate on the game. So what do you guys think about that? Just the, the overall Tau, like the, the story behind them. Well, you want to go first on this one? Sure. I mean, I remember when I started playing Warhammer, Tau was actually my first faction so I didn't really Same. know too much about what was going on uh, in there. Like I'd been shown the Eldar Codex and the Tyranid Codex, and Tyranids were 
originally the army that I was going to go with first because I was a big fan of Stormship Troopers. But after looking at the model line and seeing that they basically had Gundams, I was like, yeah, that's that's me all the way. And so reading through the the the, the original lore and seeing that they would negotiate before they would fight, um, they weren't. I would say they would they would let uh, other aliens work with them, most notably the crew. And even though their societies weren't like necessarily uh, on the same like page as far as like their traditions, uh, the Tao were idealistic in the idea of well maybe if they spend more time with us that are sophisticated they would uh, let go of some of these like lesser tribal uh, uh, how do you say notions cannibalism cannibalism Cannibal- well it wasn't the cannibalism yeah, was I mean they do do cannibalism like, they basically had their whole we didn't blow up our own planet. Now we work together and they kind of, and yes, they do force this on others, but they don't murder you for it. They just yeah. absorb well, you. And, well, the shooting was, well, was the shooting was afterwards. Say, nowadays. <laughs> Even back then they, they, they were like, okay, if negotiations don't, don't pan out, then yeah, it's, it's wartime because we are bringing the light to the galaxy, but it was always the second option instead of just nuking from orbit. Well, what yeah. was the what was the origin there? What was kind of how they introduced Tau into the universe in that third codex? So they started off with an uh, Imperial probe was sent off into the Eastern Fringe, and uh, it noted that there was a tribalistic species, but they were not human. So it came back, and the the species was how you say marked for exterminatus. But then a warp storm, quote unquote, uh, showed up and they were unreachable for uh, maybe thousands ten, of years. 10,000 ten years, yeah. 10,000 years, yeah. And when um, the or, warp storm or no, eventually. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Like 5,000 years. It was past Horus Heresy and stuff. So, yeah, it was like yeah. M, it was like M thirty. It was like M thirty five. Well, they, they, they had the note on the Inquisitor. It's one of my favorite stories for Tal, is that they basically marked them as we can get exterminatus, exterminatus, but we can do yeah. it later. Basically, because, oh, that's right. Yeah. All, all, all that they all that they had was fire. All that they had done yeah. was fire and pointy sticks. Yep, they just were like, "We'll kill these guys later because we've got other things to do." And that was one of my favorites in the stories on that because that was in that same fluff line was. They went back and they sent the super small expeditionary force to take out the Tau, and then they had become the Tau Empire. So when they came back with this tiny amount of guys, the Tau were just like, hey, we'll negotiate with you, and they didn't. And then the Tau just mercilessly wrecked them because it wasn't even close because they showed up like four dudes with guns, and you're like, yeah, man, we have a full space empire now. We're not going to take this nonsense. You know what I wish they'd make? I wish they'd make a 30k line of Tau, and they're just like nude fishmen with like with like spears, and it's just like so. All right, all right. I got. I, gotta, I, got, I yeah. have to take offense. You gonna do it, fishman? Com- I'm, I'm yeah. gonna go for this one. I'm gonna go for this yeah, one. Yeah, you got it. They 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 are bipedal with hooves. They're not fish. All they're bovine. Of, yeah, they are. They are closer related to cows than they are to fish, and the, all of the fish designations that you have on all the Tau vehicles. Are from the imperial side. They are not yeah. from the Tau side. That is not what the Tau call their stuff. They they are officially the Moo crew. So, yeah. Also, a fun fun little uh, better Moo kind crew of like just... callback to to history, uh, our history, human history, uh, because I know like GW likes to steal from it. The warp storms that protect the Tau from the Imperials coming in at a later time to get rid of them is very reminiscent to the um, the tsunamis that showed up in uh japan during the, the invasion China, of 
Yep, the, the, the Mongolians. Yeah, yep. it's, uh, it's um, the the how you say the divine, divine wind, the divine wind of Tsushima. Uh, oh, so cool. I thought it was a, kind of a neat little thing that they tied in there. That's super cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, do you think that Shadow Sun has others? I mean, she does. You can definitely milk those. <laughs> if you look on, if you look on any of the Facebook web pages that have the Weibo postings, she definitely has others. Okay, oh, so to, to actually answer your this question, you take all the fun out of it. I don't want to. Oh, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. No, 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 no. It's not a rabbit hole. It's, it's, it's real easy. There, there's. Um, I don't know what book it was, but there was a like Inquisitor um, book that like went over different physiologies of the aliens, mm-hmm. and they actually had a female Tau on an operating table. And they, you know, talked about their physiology. It, clearly, the the Weibo stuff, you know, <laughs> over exaggerates. But their the differences between the the sexes is kind of minimal. Almost the same as like elves. Their bodies are very lithe. The only real distinction is the Y on their head instead of the normal uh, orifice slit. But I mean, you technically, yeah, you could milk those. I want to start this off. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're money in the bank because I'm I'm going to tie this way later to some Warhammer Plus stuff in the uh, in the series on that because I love that by the way. But I'm going to go back to that later. Okay. Give me one of your favorite characters and one of the stories that goes with them. Give me an overview of the, one of the models that you are always going to bring in your army. It can be either unit wise or just a character. It can be either special character or unit that you bring. And tell me the story. That's the reason why the main story. There could be many. That the reason that you bring that unit. Go ahead, John. Okay. Who so, you gonna say? Well, so so the easy answer is Farsight, but I don't always bring him because I don't always play Farsight on Claves. Yeah, uh, but I'm saying when you that's one of the the go tos though. That's the whole reason that we want to talk about this is that yeah. The, so the fluff reasons that you're bringing uh, things in your well, own. there's so well, there's so many good ones, but I, I'll go ahead and take Farsight because um, Farsight is you know he is kind of the the rebel of the Tau. I mean, he he's the commander, the fallen star who led their crusades to retake the worlds from humanity. They defended during the Damocles Gulf when humanity was trying to actually, with you know, vicious intent, destroy the Tau. And he was one of the prime commanders that held that off. So he's a hero of the Empire, but then he goes on this uh, con- reconquest crusade. And for some reason, when he's almost done with the, the reconquest, he goes rogue and just disappears and then founds this string of colonies. And, you know, in the early books, it's, you know, it's kind of like, well, what happened? Why, why did he go and do all this? Why did he turn his back on the empire? Is and, it even him? Is it yes, another guy he, that's taking yeah, the mantle? Exactly. And so it's for a long time, it was this, this huge question mark on the towel. It was like the dark, it was the dark underbelly of the quote unquote pure faction, like the good guys. And it was like, okay, there's something weird going on here. Uh, but as they develop the lore and you kind of get more of the ethereals being, you know, a little bit more nefarious than what was what you had in the earlier versions. And you get Farsight story, which if you haven't read the Farsight Enclave supplement that came out, I think it was um, seventh edition. It's honestly one Sixth. of the best. Pieces. So good. Sixth edition. It's, it's yeah. honestly one of the best pieces of lore that GW's put out book or codex. Otherwise, I mean, it's Can you give us a high like an over an overview kind of a, the heat yeah, on that one. Because it's so big yeah. because you find out that he's basically the guy that's getting just besmirched over the entire empire. Yeah. And so, he yeah. was actually trying to do the right thing via him at least so yeah so the short story is that and this is in all the codexes but there was an incident that happened on a a a relic world i think is what they called it but arthas moloch and it's this old um it's an old civilization and they were destroyed and all that's left is the ruined city so just kind of empty streets 
temples, all this stuff. Uh, not human. It's something else. They're never really clear on what exactly it is. But he chases uh, an orc warband that had been harassing his troops there, and they have a battle. But during the battle, um, they open a warp portal on this this dais that was a you know sacrificial. Uh, you know, basically a sacrificial altar for the gods of chaos. And all these demons just start pouring out and slaughtering the orcs, slaughtering the Tau. They've never, they've never dealt with demons before. So, you know, Farsight thinks they're just aliens. So he, you know, marshals the troops and they're fighting back. And at some point in the fighting, he looks into the portal and actually sees into the warp and sees chaos and everything. And it knocks him, it knocks him unconscious and he survives with his sanity intact somehow. Um, but when he comes to, he's like, Basically, the uh, the thrall that the Ethereals had on him is broken. He's like, they, they've been lying to us. The universe is not just this completely ordered, rational place. Like, I looked into the realm of pure chaos, and I saw the evil beneath everything. And so all the Ethereals in his expedition, uh, they get they get annihilated because the, the demons know what Ethereals are. Um, you know, it's a common mis- misconception that Tau don't have souls or anything like that. They do. They're just very dim. It's like... Yeah, it's like if a human if a human was a you know a fireplace burning, a Tau is like a candle or something. So you have they have a soul, they have a presence in the warp, but they just don't attract attention. But you know the demons could tell that the Ethereals were the leaders, and so they went out and killed the leaders. So you know Farsight has no Ethereals at this point. So him and the commanders are basically like, well, we have to get rid of this. Like we have to close this off, or else this is going to be bad. So they go, they seal it off, and now. His expedition is just left without any ethereals, but he has this secret that would undermine the entirety of what the ethereals are preaching. It would under undermine their entire, the entire philosophy of the greater good that the universe is just this, you know, ordered place that they can take just by you know the light of science and reason and everything. And so he makes the conscious t- choice: I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to submit myself to the ethereals. Uh, I've got my people here. They're thriving on these new worlds that we've got. We're going to fortify and we're just going to hold the line on this side. And I'm not going to go back. And, you know, so much of the Farsight way of war is based around the battle suits, which are the iconic part of the Tau, particularly the crisis suits. And so you have Farsight, which is almost like the closest thing to a. I mean, he is I mean, he is a close combat monster, but he uh, he likes to get up close and personal, which is very different from most Tau. And it gives you a much more dynamic play experience. Uh, if you're trying to get in close and unload on the enemy, but it really it's really something that reflects well the uh, the lore of Farsight enclaves. Like they like to be up close and personal. Uh, his way of war is called the way of the short blade because he wants to be up there in your guts and stabbing you. In, a, in so. a game thing, it's one of my favorite things because people are still just not used to the stats on Farsight. When you go, wait, what are you doing? How, what what just happened? <laughs> or you sweep attack a unit of Marines or something. You're like, wait a minute. What what just went down? You're like, yeah, man, I, I killed a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's unreal. What is, yeah. uh, not to completely derail from that, but the Onager Gauntlet, is that something that ties in with Farsight because of its no. close combat? Uh, yeah. It's it's tangentially related. So it came in during the, um, the battle for Dalith, which was part of the Damocles Crusade. So it was one of the prototype weapons that the commanders were given to fight in that one. And uh, basically one of the one of Farsight's, you know, lieutenants used it to drop in on a big in Imperial Guard company and just absolutely wreck a bunch of tanks. Uh, he almost got killed in the process. He's like in a state. He's basically in the Tau version of a, uh, a dreadnought now. But um, wait, hold on. Is that is that Eric Khan? There's no, no way. Bra- no, that's Bravestorm. 
Oh, really? The dude's name's Bravestorm. That's actually really freaking. Yeah, cool. I love so, Bravestorm. So, All the so prototypes. That, yeah. So, so that's a that's another thing. So the Tau, so Tau are not born with a personal name. They're born with a their cast name and their cast position. So a a newborn uh, fire warrior, like or a young fire warrior, is going to be Shas for the fire cast, and then La for basic line trooper. And so mm. as you oh, as when you he's born, oh, when he's born, it's Saul, Shas, all. Remember, they don't have a designation until they get their first mission. Gotcha. I didn't. I actually didn't know that. So thank you. Ooh, there you uh, go. But uh, so as they as they progress through the ranks and they start achieving things, they will earn names. And so you'll have you'll end up having these guys who have just these long names. So Farsight's full name is um, something stupid. No, it's Shasso Viola. Chief Bootnaka, I think it was uh, for it's sure. <laughs> it's it's long. Uh, well, I think it's like well, I think it's Shas. I think it's Shasso Viorla Cass. Uh, dang it, they don't have it in this one. Okay, well, and Mon- Montier is at the end because everybody yeah. who's in a been in a fight gets Montier. Yeah. I like that. I, I love. It's one of the things I love about the Tau and the fact that they have the. Because they have a mix, because they, they always do that a little bit. They give a mix of old societies from Earth, of course, and they did Tao, part, uh, partly uh, Japanese with the caste society and stuff. And I, I do love that, though, that you have, uh, I said that I love the prototypes, because you have this Earth cast that's trying to make everything work, and they just keep giving some of the top, you're not even the top, top people, but like the effectively would be lieutenants. And you're like, hey, would you try out this new piece of gear, armor, whatever? And then it's kind of a big deal if you read the stories that you were a total guinea pig. But it's also this huge honor for the Tau to be in whatever the new suit or the gun or whatever that they've Mm -hmm. given you. So you're like, this may or may not work. And it's a huge honor because everybody's told it's a huge honor, but you're actually a test suit dummy. (laughs) <laughs> just so rocking it out. So the the Tau relic that you used to see all the time was uh, the pure tide engram chip when that was the only good one that you had. So that's very much what you're talking about right there because that was used in the Damocles Crusade to give these commanders this uh, this genius of uh, Commander Pure Tide, who was like the greatest of the Tau generals and everything. But once it was done, they basically yanked the chips out of these guys' heads so they wouldn't have a bunch of Pure Tides running around, and it lobotomized them. Yeah, so, they got their brains fried. Yeah, so the one guy that still has it is one of uh, Farsight's guys, and Farsight basically threw him in stasis and shipped him away when the Ethereals told him to like deliver that guy for lobotomization. And he's like, "Oh yeah, he had a he had a malfunction and died. We already cremated him, so don't worry about it." <laughs> Farsight's uh, Farsight has all the awesome commanders, man. He's just out there like hoarding like Brave Storm and the Pure Tide. It's all these awesome dudes, well, man. He's also got to, he's he's been around for a hot minute. I was saying this before we were recording tonight, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is Farsight's rolling around with Stormbringer. And I'm using old <laughs> Elric stuff on that, but he's got a soul stealing weapon. <laughs> he's got a chrome plane. And I don't know in the stories, I don't know if they if they've really fo- focused on whether he knows what it's doing. I think he kind of does, but refuses to acknowledge it. They've said that he has suspicions, but he doesn't know for sure. Yeah, because you're just like, hey, man, the, your juice cleanse is giving you a couple extra hundred years on your life, man. Like, you're still looking pretty good. Also, that scary looking sword you carry is talking to people. You're like, eh, it's probably a comms commu- miscommunication. 
So there's two things actually with the sword. Um, one thing, uh, John, you mentioned that the planet that he got the sword from was Arthas Moloch. And this, a lot of people like to speculate that the sword is a reference to Arthas from World of Warcraft, or I guess the WoW series or Warcraft series, because Arthas is the the guy who I it's guess like got Frostmourne and he turned into the Lich yep. King. Yeah. And then the second thing is, is um, if you're up on Yanari lore, um, some people speculate that that's one of the five fingers of the Death God or something like that. What what is like the crone, the, uh, crone swords? swords? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun one because it steals the life of people that uh, he kills. I remember a long time ago when we didn't know what it was. People like to speculate that it was like a Necron uh, sword because the Arthas Moloch was like a dead tomb world. Um, it does. Ha- it does have the look of Necron tech. Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. And I think you meant to say it just looks cool. I mean, it does you're look right. cool. Right. The shit. Right. Well, hit me with your favorite guy. So, um, my favorite guy is obviously Commander Farside too. He's the coolest. But um, my favorite character in uh, Tau Lord doesn't have a model, um, and that's Commander Kai's. Um, he's the third pure type pupil, the one that you never really see. Um, they've got Shadow Sun, Farsight, and Kai's, and Kai's is the master of the uh monat uh which is i guess like singular uh killing like the army of one essentially lone and wolves. the lone wolves yeah and so there's like a lot of contention as to where this guy came from a lot of people like to speculate that he's the protagonist from the fire warrior book um i don't know if either of you guys have read fire warrior the and book. video game yep. and the video game yeah i was just gonna so, say i also played the video game <laughs> Video game's so bad. Yep. So bad. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I sadly have played the video game. I did, however, yeah. read the book, which was not sadly. <clears throat> oh, the book was fantastic. And it was all like the tie-in when they launched the, the faction. But like he, this this one fire where it goes through uh, this crazy day of landing on a planet, killing a bunch of Imperial Guards, saving a um, an ethereal, getting off planet, on uh, going onto a ship, that ship uh, negotiating with Space Marines all hell breaks loose because there's a traitor there and now he has to fight space marines demons he has to go back to the planet he kills a bunch of guys inside a uh, titan and then he fights um i want to say two uh greater uh, demons and finishes off one of them by taking his helmet off that's just so happens to have a bolt around stuck in it and throwing it at the gate that the demon came out of and it the bolt blowing up um and then at the end of the book you know he's apparently in a coma and you don't really hear anything about uh, that character then later on in the dawn of war series when they do introduce tau there is a commander he's commander kai's he's from tau uh, the home world of the tau um he's in a stealth suit he's basically an army of one and there's like one voice line that he says that is kind of reminiscent of uh something that happens in that first book but there's no like official saying that that's the same guy and there's there's no official saying saying that that guy from dawn of war is the kai's in the uh, lore. Um, but one of the most recent things is, uh, I guess when they were updating or adding Primaris to the different Space Marine Legions, there was like a couple of short stories. And one of the ones for the Dark Angels has this Kai's showing up at either a mo- Fortress Monastery or something like that, and basically just wiping out Dark Angels left and right. And so much so that they had to like bomb the monastery <laughs> and kill everything there. And he just kind of like, slipped away at the end i remember uh john lennon actually reaching out to me and being like this character's fucking bullshit <laughs> what is this he's like this is the dumbest thing ever this guy like faces a legion of marines and walks out scot-free this is the dumbest thing ever but 
I think it's cool. I'm hoping he eventually gets put into the lore or into he also, the game. He also was responsible for founding one of the Tau Seps in the third sphere. Furious. Which one? Firios. Ah, there you go. I didn't know that one. That's cool. That's what we're looking for, you guys. Ah, yeah, so there here, you I, have a, I have a question in all the Sure. Way. Is there anybody that's ever got into a shittier situation than the stealth Shazray in the Exodite series at the very end when she went Is that the Warhammer Plus? Yes, Warhammer Plus. At the end, literally a bunch of phantom titans come through a webway gate and she's by herself. (laughs) And then you're like, it can't get any worse. And then all of a sudden she goes to the Dark Eldar city and is getting harassed by Harlequins and Dark Eldar. You're like, I don't think anyone's rolled more ones than <laughs> that series. You're just like, man. Hey, so this hey, is well, non-canon. Do you want to well, talk about the fourth sphere expansion? <laughs> or well, I mean, I? We, we can, but actually to, to, to answer Brad's question, it's non-canon, but uh, there was a crappy uh, 40K MOBA that was trying to be like League of Legends. And they did, in fact, it, the whole thing was inside a Dark Eldar arena. And that was like their reasoning behind it. And there was an ethereal and a Tau Fire warrior as playable characters in that game. So <laughs> three people ended up in Camaro. So so I will I will toss this one out here because uh, this one I think I think is just worse. I mean that's they're they're in a bad situation as you describe. Like that's not ideal. Ending up in Camaro is pretty bad. Um, so the Tau figured out how to do warp drive without figuring out how to do. Gellar fields. Gellar fields. Yeah. So, so they launch an entire, uh, uh, their whole fourth sphere of expansion gets launched with these new, you know, prototype warp drives. And they basically did the first test with a drone. It came back. No problems. Ethereals are like good enough, put people in it, send them off. They open up a freaking warp portal in the middle of space and it sucks up the entire fleet and just eats them. And you find out later that there's a wormhole that was created through this. And, this whole just expeditionary fleet just went straight through the warp to the far side of the galaxy with no Gellar fields. <laughs> and <laughs> well, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> and and the Tau survived. Their auxiliaries did not because the ones that didn't get turned into warp spawn, the Tau just mercilessly exterminated on the far side. <laughs> so I would I would put that one in contention. For you know, I'll give you that. You know that may, that brings it up to a big thing on this. It's one of the things that I'm. I would love to see in the game, and it disappoints me a little bit, is in the books and the fluff, there's an, an, a crazy amount of Tau, of Tau auxiliaries, people that they've absorbed into the Empire. I'm going to give both of you a chance on this. I'll go Will first. What race from the fluff would you like to see on the board for Tau? So I want to see Demiurg. Um, I think that Demiurg would be a really uh, neat and different, I guess, thing. Because like you've got the sleek, stylish Tau, You've got the feral-looking crew. Demiurg would be like a very stout, um, hardy-looking auxiliary. Because Demiurg are essentially... And give, and give everybody what they are. Give sorry. The, give... Demiurg are basically Votan before Votan became Votan. They're like they're like yeah. dwarves, but they have like hardened skin. They're more like rocky Votan. Um, you can... I want to say that their vessels are usable in the um, Battlefleet Gothic video game. If I'm if I remember correctly, um, but that was like their big thing is that the Demir kind of helped with um, trade routes, which now Votan do. 
I think that they'd be really cool to see on the tabletop. Also, I, I would really love an update to Vespid. There are way more Vespid out there than what we've got. And the models that we have do not do... Um, I want to say it was Jess, Jess Goodwin did the art um, in the 5th edition book. That's John. Right. That sounds yeah, right. and like his art is fucking beautiful. I remember flipping through that book and seeing that art and being like, "Wow, these guys are so cool!" And then getting to the models and being like, so incredibly disappointed. Yeah, I, I ended up making my own, and they were just Tau Fire Warriors with little uh, rotary jump packs on their yeah. backs, and they look so much better. They look so much better than the the, the old models. But uh, I would say Demir for sure. So. Yeah, I would say the um, uh, the ones that came to the tip of the you know to the front of my mind was the uh, the Nikasar. Uh, they are one of they're a very potent psychic race and if uh, memory serves they look like um just giant bears that are kind of like they can't really walk because they're they're kind of their bodies are a little too big but they just float around on these anti-grab things and they're just very potent psychers and spacefarers and stuff like that they're so an i don't, I don't think get them on the table. uh yeah they are yeah that's Space the thing though is they, they legitimately have if you look through the fluff and the different stories they've they have like a ton of people with them. And weirdly enough, and people don't get this enough, this is why, because back when we first had allies and stuff, people were like, well, why can Tal ally with Imperium? And you're like, because there's a huge amount of planets, human planets, that are just kind of absorbed by, absorbed and or are not considered absorbed, but they're at least trading with and friendly with mm-hmm. the Tal. And that's a big deal, like a huge amount. like billions of people are underneath that yeah that's actually what caused the damocles gulf crusade was that the tower the tower established just very friendly relations with most of the eastern fringe and the imperium you know hating aliens as they do was like we can't let this happen so they just swept through wiped out all the tower wiped out all the human sympathizers and just crashed into the empire i'm actually genuinely shocked that with the arcs of omen update we didn't get an allied detachment of either guard or votan it's kind of weird. I was surprised at that too. And th- that's a couple of the things that I really like in the fluff. If we could get more, I don't know, more. Sometimes you get something on the board and then you, or sorry, something in the stories, and then you put it on the board and you're always like, well, that was a little underwhelming. I mean, it's not a towel thing, but it's one of my favorite, like on the board versus the, uh, you know, stories versus on the board is you've reigned sword, for instance. In, in the books, and oh, you know, yeah. it's literally cuts through reality, and then you get it on the board, and it's a power sword. It's literally just... Who will do that? Yvrain, literally, in the story, she has something that cuts through space and time, and on the on the field, it is strength plus one, AP3. Who, who like, is that? What character is that? It's Yvrain. The Inari. The cat lady. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, I think that they actually lady. did it semi-right for because Farsight's actually kind of a badass. I actually think that the Puritide ship should have been more OP than it was. It's definitely more OP than it is in the current book. If I remember correctly, the 6th edition one gave you the ability to, um, what was it? Was it Preferred Enemy? I remember preferred the... Preferred Enemy, and you could change it as you went through during the game. So, like, That's because right. you're supposed to be able to... The Puritide chip, it gives you the wisdom. No, that was that was uh that was mirror codex. That was mirror codex. Mirror yeah. Codex. What, what did mirror hold on? I'm gonna look and see what Pure, Puritide Pure chip did could, in it kept letting you access the memory. So you could basically you added the Rolodex of all previous encounters with people so you could adapt to things. Yeah, it might have really it might have been something more. like armor armor bane, flesh bane. It might have given you stuff like that. Yeah, I don't um, remember 
But I, I like I like that so much better though because that's I love in the game when you get stuff. I mean, obviously it's it's always a tough thing to not overpower something. Right. But like when you get something that really gives you that flavor from the stories, the fluff. I love putting that stuff on the board. That's why I actually think Farsight's a good representation of what he is in the stories because he's a good character. He's he bangs. <laughs> the Pure Tide Ingram chip used to give you counterattack, furious charge, monster hunter, stubborn, or tank hunter until the end of the phase. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also yeah. be, also used to give that to the rest of your squad too back in that. Yeah, because of how uh, independent, independent characters, characters used to I, work. Yeah. yeah. So like, I just love the fact that Things that work and they're super awesome in a story. I love when they they show up on the battlefield. I, I the yeah. rule of cool always applies. So. so actually, to to comment on that, because um, when we were talking about like our favorite characters from or whatever favorite things from the game, uh, favorite units was also one of the things. And my favorite unit is Pathfinders. Uh, I love Pathfinders, and um, as you stated every so often like the the higher-ups would be like hey here's some experimental weapons or experimental whatever go go try it out and one of the first things that we got was pathfinders with rail rifles and they had like um extra rules and a white dwarf and those rail rifles had the gets hot rule because like the targeting system that was it linked from the rifle to the helmet would sometimes overheat and fry the uh the eyes of the pathfinder they die right and <laughs> so like i love and, and that actually ties in with Kai's too, because the ultimate weapon that he gets in that book is a rail rifle. And it's just such a cool part of uh, of Tau history. I love, you know, rail rifle pathfinders, even though I barely ever bring them. Um, but that is that is something that 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 is neat, you know, like taking these things from from the, the lore that have these hefty stories attached to them and then putting them on the table and seeing what they do is always, you know, it's fun. Well, I think the rule of cool, you nailed it. Rail rifle pathfinders are one of the most, the biggest rule of cool things for Tau for me. That and ghost yeah. kills. I love ghost kills, even though they're they're not good right now. I, I, I need I a little bit of help, but I love them. They're such a great unit. <sighs> they're, the th- that's a unit that, that right there, you guys nailed it with on a unit. In the fluff, ghost kills are doing crazy shit all the time. They have so many great stories about. You've got Shadow Sun and a ghost kill. You got murdering master. a chapter master in a ghost kill. Yes. That's yeah. the reason Shrike is a chapter master is because Shadow Sun murdered his success, his predecessor, Split him while in two. riding a ghost kill. It's fucking baller. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. That is one of the things that, you know, Let's go into that next. Give me a story that you guys would love to see transfer onto the board. Uh, I've got so I've got two. Um, I'll be quick with them. So the first one is Anshi's backstory, how he became famous. Will do. You, <laughs> Will, 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 do you want that? Do you want that one? Or? No, no, I, I forget okay. that one okay. even exists. That's so cool. Like he's so this, been pushed yeah. into the background for so long, but his so for, origin story is the shit. Yeah. So okay. So this is the one ethereal. This is the one ethereal that Farsight is cool with. He's the one. He's like has been sent to negotiate with the Farsight enclaves. He's the only guy, only ethereal cast member that Farsight likes. And it's because he has stood toe to toe with the fire cast at the front lines uh, and, and all of this. And um, so basically um, he's an old, he was an old, he's an old ethereal, you know, so well past his prime. He had one last assignment to go check out this new frontier world before he got to retire. And so he's at this, you know, little outlying mining town with, you know, his personal guards, not a whole lot of warriors and a bunch of feral orcs just descend on the town. And 
you know, so it's like the, the beast snagger boys, they don't have guns. They're just coming to chop stuff. And they, um, so they're just, so he's just leading from the front and his, uh, one of his, uh, battlesuit guys gets beheaded and then by a giant orc knob and then everyone's about to crumple. And then on, she jumps in between them with his honor blade. So the ethereal, uh, uh, ceremonial weapon and just cuts this orc in two and is just leading from the front, just slaughtering these guys. And every time like the fighting gets thick on, she's there, he's fighting, pushing them back, pushing them back, but way too many orcs. And so, you know, they eventually get pushed back into the ethereal shrine that's at the center of the town. And, you know, they're, they're running out of ammo. So like on, she's there at the door with them and they're about to just, you know, all die when the orcs storm this place and reinforcements finally make it there. And there's only like 50 fire warriors left. They like, they've just been slaughtered, but you know, the town holds, they still have everything there. And the ethereals are like, Oh, on she, you're, you're pretty badass. You're going to go lead some more expansions. Cause we need guys like you on the front lines. Um, was originally supposed to retire to like, I guess they've got like a retirement planet. That's all like, tau. uh, all tau. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, did he Samuel Jackson go, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I wish that would be fucking tight. Actually. If they, if they like put it into media, he looks right at the camera after cutting a work in half and goes, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> But for the longest time, he was the only ethereal that I actually would ever put on the table just because Same. that story was just so amazing. And he was he's actually like, as far as Tau go, I mean, he's probably the second. Well, I don't know if he's the second best close combat anymore. He's the best one that's not in a battle suit for sure. Yeah. He's not bad at um, all, man. I was looking at his stats at first points. He's actually not terrible. The only thing that sucks about him is that he's locked Viorla. Uh, Viorla. So like, I mean, you can take him in other uh, sets. And, and not mess with anything because of like the ethereal clause, but he just, he, he was born on the wrong planet, man. <laughs> uh, uh, but so that, that's his story. And the other one was uh, from the far side books. And it's the, um, it's when one of the, I forget which high fleet it was. I think it was behemoth. Um, but they come into the, they come into the far side enclaves and are just crushing it. And this is when far side comes out of retirement uh, to go save the enclaves. And, He's trying to fight him back on every front. And he just can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it. The Mont is not working. They're adapting too quickly. And so he goes on this like little, I guess, spirit journey. It's cracking. It's cracking. Sorry. Thank Kraken. you. Hopefully cracking. No problem. Um, so he, uh, so he goes on this like, you know, quest to like figure this out to like get his inner self and all that. And that's when he realizes like, Hey, I can't do the thing that I'm best at for this. So I've got to do the thing that I'm weakest at. And he embraces the Kalyan, and so they try to do a different trap for the, the Tyranids on their capital world. And so him and the eight, so this is his commander bodyguard, so the elite of the elite, they evacuate the entire planet except for these eight guys and three scientists. And they're at this facility on Viorlos, and High Fleet Kraken lands on the planet. And they know that they're there, and so it's just swarm after swarm going in. And so these these eight warriors in battle suits are holding off the entire tendril of high fleet cracking on the ground while these scientists are working on this um this biological agent that will neutralize the fleet and so the scientists eventually or oh oh crap what's his name ovesa the, ovesa yeah it's the earth cast scientist who's piloting a riptide who he has tells, nanomachines keeping him alive yeah, which has nanobots like yeah rejuvenate who used himself. to be the only person in the eight you could take on the board that was worth a crap continue yeah <laughs> yeah um so he he gives them like, hey, the scientists are done. Like, you know, it's time to bug out of here. So they they get on the last transport out. They go out. The scientists stay behind and get consumed along with the rest of what little biomass Viorlos had. And 
then they retreat to orbit and they're like standing off far enough that they can watch the Tyranid ships and Farside's like, man, we just lost our entire planet. Like, was this worth it? And Ovase is like, yeah, man, just, just watch, just watch. And so the fleets like start developing these legions, these uh, like sores and stuff on the outside of their hive fleets and the, they just disintegrate. The entire hive, hive fleet tendril just disintegrates because of this bioagent that they were infected with. And so, you know, these three scientists just, you know, gave their lives to save the entire enclaves. And Farsight, in the course of this, has now, like, basically become the new Puritide in all this, and now leads the Enclaves from the front again. So. That's right. I forgot he had, like, a little depressive emo phase for a bit there. <laughs> he went and sat at the bottom of Volcano so that he could feel the feel the heat. heat yeah, that's right. On his skin. That's right. Yeah, his whole body is, like, shard and shit now. Can we all agree that Ovesa was basically Reed Richards? So... <laughs> Yeah. Basically, basically. I love that. Without guy. the stretchy arms. <laughs> Without the stretchy arms, yeah. Um, as far as like big uh lore moments for me, um, I want to take it all the way back to the first time the Tao came out and uh Angkor Proc. Does anybody know who that is? I don't know. Absol- absolutely. Angkor I remember I, I kind of know this, but hit me I, now. Hold on. I gotta start the the fire and the marshmallows out. I'm I'm smoring it up for this one. I'm ready for a big tale. There's not too much uh, there. Weaving a great uh, story like John is, but the the story of Angkor Prok. So when uh, the Tau were getting themselves, you know, conquering uh, planets and whatnot, when they were first introduced with the crew, it was by uh, catching like a distress signal from a crew war sphere. This is giant uh, ship that has like a bunch of crew on it, right? And they linked up and found out that um, the homeworld of the crew, Peck, or Petch, it's P-E-C-H, um, is being attacked by uh, orcs. So the fire uh, firecased at the time decided to land down there and help the Belier crew in fighting against the orcs. And the uh, crew chieftain at the time, Incor Proc, um, more or less fought back to back with the whatever Tau commander was was helping at the time. I, I can't remember the guy's name. And um, they defeated the orcs, and that's why the crew have this great relationship with the Tau. They basically say anything, anytime you need warriors, anytime you need help, you call on us and we'll take care of you. Um, and Incor Proc was uh, kind of immortalized as a, a character in one of the White Dwarfs, and you could take him in your Tau army. I think he was an HQ choice, and if you attached him to like a 20-man crew unit, they all got like an extra attack. They got plus one to hit. Um, and I want to say that they got like all sorts of other crazy rules, but he, he doesn't was, have uh, a model. Yeah, anymore. he was one of the guys from uh, when you could bring crew mercenaries when you had the White Dwarf. That was the uh, one of the guys you could bring. Yeah, that was the guy. And I want to say that his his model was a Games Day model way back in the day. I want to say he came out in like 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get him now. And, you know, clearly he doesn't have any rules anymore. But they do, I want to say that they've mentioned him once since that white dwarf because you don't like they don't really talk about him in How do you spell the codexes uh Ancor proc so it's a-n-g-k-o-r-p-r-o-k you can google him uh, he's really cool he's very dynamic he was much more um how you say uh just looked a lot better than a normal crew shaper and he had extra rules to boot and he made crew like a uh, one crew squad be un ungodly good back in like fourth edition oh he looks sweet yeah i'm looking at him right yeah. now that's uh i need that model i yeah, need that model the rule of cool definitely applies for plague here oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 
and like you know i don't know um he's a neat character and since then we've had like dahiak grek um i don't know if he has rules anymore either but he's a really cool crew and then the the crew kill team has a lot of uh flavor too but anchor proc man he's he's kino and and his introduction was very cool it's just a shame that we don't get more of that the the old yeah where do you want to see that i'll give you this we'll we'll end on this so i'm gonna Mm -hmm. have you guys wrap it wrap your your excuse me your lore fluff up with where are we going in the future with the Tau? Make your predictions and make your kind of your wish list for where you want to see it continue on. Because they've got, they're on a cliffhanger right now as far as what the where the Tau Empire is going with Shadow Sun and Farsight and everything and the push for both. John, you want to go? Ooh, um, well, you. I mean, we haven't yeah, even touched yeah. on Shadow Sun yet, too. We were doing. All, we haven't touched well, on Shadow Sun. We She's haven't touched on the totally more... still alive on Va. Yeah. yeah. Well, so like the problem with those characters is that they're not nearly as interesting as Farsight. Like Shadowstun is a very status quo character, even though she did, you know, kill a chapter master, even though a lot of what she, she does. She's a, ba- she's a badass in her own right. She's but she, but she, her story, her story is that she is the, she is the loyal soldier. Whereas Farsight is the, is the renegade. Renegade. Yeah. And on is not, a, a particularly fun character either and it's great that he's <laughs> totally not alive anymore i was gonna say well he's he's a projection so yeah well so so i so i guess you have to look at all of this within the the framework of um now that we're settling into the imperium sanctus and the imperium nihilus uh you have tau on both sides of that because you have the the uh oh the nemyar atoll which is like the Tau fifth sphere, which is the survivors of the fourth sphere and then the fifth sphere, and they're on the other side. So you have the Tau with a stable route over to Imperium Nihilus, and you have basically the Blood Angels and their successors that are over on that side that are trying to unite everything, but the Tau more or less have free reign on that side of Imperium Nihilus. So I could see that from a you know from a story perspective, you're going to have a lot more expansion over there You've already had them coming into contact a lot more with forces of chaos, uh, like Shadow Sun and a uh, Death Guard fleet came toe to toe when the Death Guard were trying to go through the um, the uh, the wormhole that they the created. Structure Nexus, yeah. yeah. She came up against Morty. Morty was there. Yeah, yeah. Like they they kind of just bypassed the fleet. I think they took some shots at them and stuff, but the they Death crashed. Guard- they crashed through, pushed them out, and got and got past them. There was a, a major conflict because they were like. Yeah. back to the to the wall trying to stop them and they got through yeah and then they just disappeared in there which is a fun one mm-hmm. what they uh there's there's talk <laughs> of a a god of the greater good that was born in the warp when the the towel went through from the prayers that they had trying to survive in the warp so that'd be an interesting one to have a little bit of a towel um warp factor i don't really like that and i hope they don't go that way uh, i like the fact that the towel don't really have the warp presence and that the ones who know about it are you know, they shun it and stay away from it. Um, you kind of can't have really any large scale conflicts in Imperium Sanctus. So because they the Imperium kind of set the entire Damocles Gulf on fire with an exterminata shot. So you've got a giant wall of fire that's just kind of blocking that off. And it's really hard for even Imperial ships to get through in the warp. So I, I think that the Tau lore is going to shift over. I think you'll still have the far side enclaves and all that. You'll still have the main empire side of things that's going to be doing stuff in the eastern fringe so that you can have your little you have your stories for the guys on that side and everything that's great 
I think you're going to see a lot of expansion on, into Imperium Nihilus, and I think it's going to be against a lot of forces of uh, chaos and renegades. Nice. I think that I think that's the way that they're going to try to push the Tau side of things. Let me say, um, I just bought an Inkor proct on eBay, um, but um, <laughs> how much? I, you spend? I want to. Uh, I want to end. Uh, I want to end these episodes. This is something that I was thinking about earlier. I want to. I want to have uh, a reading list. If you were going to recommend some books, oh in yeah, the, that's um, great. great idea. In I the black library. With... Yeah. Give me, give me like your, your top, uh, your top couple just so, and we'll put these in the show notes too, just so people can look at them and uh, learn more about Tao lore, but what you got. Right. So uh, I, I like to make the joke that I'm illiterate um, and I don't read and I, I haven't read that much after uh, high school, but um, I would suggest fire warrior fire warrior is uh, the like p- penultimate Tao book. It was, literally made to introduce the faction um i will say that there's like a couple of retcons since um firewire introduced the town having like cyan blood that is not the case anymore um but it's good it's a good book i remember rereading it not too long ago i I really like that book but john is Uh, more of the reader (laughs) so unfortunately so so unfortunately the uh the tau side of things the tau side of things don't really have um a, a wonderful lineup of books, uh, but there are two that I would recommend. I would go with um, uh, Farsight Crisis of Faith and um, Farsight Empire of Lies. Those give a really good and a uh, really good view into Farsight during his, uh, you know, kind of his rise, his rise to prominence, and then ultimately his uh, his turning his back on the empire. Uh, I think I think there's one called Damocles. It's another good one. It's about just the Damocles War. I want to say that's from the Imperials' perspective. So, so, um, it's, it's the Imperials' perspective, though. But they they flat they go back and forth because uh, they have a POV. So they have a Tau POV, but I think the most of the like eighty percent of the book is uh, Imperium on the Damocles one. Uh, make sure to not Google Tau POV though. <laughs> oh yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> or do it. Who cares? <laughs> or just go likes- down. You got some extra time. Just go down that route. Right? Google uh, blueberries. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Blue blue waffles. Blue waffles. Okay. Please. Anyways, <laughs> don't do that one. That one's awful. Absolutely did not do that one. <laughs> but yeah, from what John has said, because um, he reads way more than I have, he's suggested both of those. And I want to say, did you not read the Shadow Stone one too? Like, I know that she's more, she's kind of boring, but you did read that one, right? Uh, I'm not sure it's actually out yet, or at least the one that we talked about. Um, There's the one that uh, talks about, like, spoiler warning, uh, uh, Farsight and Shadow Sun kind of had like a, hookup at one point in time and i want to say that that's in that book the shadow sun book if i'm mm. not mistaken eh, it's fine the, the far side books are really good brad do you have any you said you had ones you were well my on? thing is i i actually like the white dwarf where you've got the far side enclaves and stuff they have some really good stories in there and the original had the rules but it also had a bunch of stories that i actually really enjoyed so I think if that was, I, I tell you the truth, I was literally looking through the community page and Warhammer, and the Warhammer Plus on that because I think you can get all of the White Dwarf articles from any White Dwarf if you're subscribed in that. That seems yeah. like a shameless plug for them on that, but I get absolutely nothing. But uh, it, that, they have some great stories from there. There's some really good just writers that are putting some stuff out there. I, I just enjoy the short stories quite a bit. I like the White Dwarf stuff. I agree. I think it's some of their best. Uh, like, if you want a quick hit of some lore, I think it's a great spot for it. I'll toss this one out there too. Um, there, most of it doesn't come from the novel. Most of the great Tau lore doesn't come from the novels. They come from the campaign books. So, from those, you can probably get these pretty fairly, maybe cheaper than 
a lot of the stuff, but uh, the Farsight Enclave Supplement, uh, it's a really it's a really thin book, but it gives you uh, all of Farsight stuff. It's great high-level stuff, you know, fun to read and engaging stories and all that. And then um, the two the two campaign books, I think they're these called were called Kalyan and Monka. They were called Kalyan and Monka. And those stories are the battle for Mughalith Bay from the perspectives of Shadow Sun, Farsight, and most of the Tau Empire, but you also get some Imperial stuff in there. And that's just a fantastic campaign. It's a great story. Um, so good. Yeah. So the rules in that are completely outdated, but the story portion of it is absolutely fantastic. It's I'll say the codexes give some good lore, too. Like, most people just don't ever read that or even remember it's there. But you can learn a lot about your factions, but just open your codex. The most recent one was not. The most no, recent was... one was very thin compared to all the other ones. Um, but I feel the like older books, like, yes. The older books, the older were ones, yeah. What's the best codex for Tal Lore? Fifth edition. Um, I was going to yeah, say fifth edition. Was, the, the fifth edition book for sure, but um, definitely the the Farsight supplement. Like I remember, I remember getting this book and and going through the lore and being like, this is completely different from anything that they've ever written for the faction it's it's really good and the same thing with the the two warzone um uh damocles, supplements. Warzone, da- warzone damocles that's, that's what it was, was. yeah warzone damocles kalyan and Monka. i remember downloading the book illegally just so that i could read <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm admitting to it just so that i could read the lore because i wanted to know what happened and like you know, I bought the books. I have them in my garage, but like the the story was very compelling, and all the different POVs that they had were really cool. And uh, they kind of set Farsight up as this like guardian angel of the Tau Empire. Like he doesn't ag- necessarily agree with how the Ethereals are running things, but those are his people, and he'll show up at any time to do what he can to protect the people. And it's really mm-hmm. cool. That's awesome, man. Well, John and guest user, I'm very glad you're able to come on with us today. So um, thanks for coming on, y'all. You guys have been an absolute wealth of knowledge, and uh, this I learned a lot about Tau, and I'm excited about it. I'm going to go build some Tau now. Hell yeah. Do it. Do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check out the DOG other con- content. That's Death or Glory. Look at their YouTube page. Look at their Patreon, and just see all the good things they're doing out there in the community. Thanks for listening. Join us for our episode two. Fluffy DOG is created in affiliation with Death or Glory Gaming. This show is produced by Blake Law Studios. Go and show your support at Blake Law Studios' Patreon page. Our editor is Seamus Rowan. Opening song was also created by Seamus Rowan.